This is the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. Today's message is from the Book of Acts sermon series. In this series, we're diving deeper into how God has invited us into His mission, how the Holy Spirit was present at the beginning of the church and is active now, and how the local church is God's primary method to change the world. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message encourages you. Welcome. So glad that you're here. If you're online with us, we're so grateful. Today, I've asked Lydia Long, our Director of Online Ministries, to team teach with me. Let's give it up for Lydia. Lydia is married to our youth pastor, Brett, the, the two of them, God's using in a big, big way in our junior high and high school ministries. Last two weeks, we had junior high camp and high school camp. God's doing incredible things in the next generation here at Life Church. And so today we're continuing in our series where we're, we're looking at the book of Acts, but we're taking a, a little bit of a, a little mini break in that the, the primary character in the book of Acts, we've said this to you over and over, is the Holy Spirit. So we're doing a little four-week mini-series on the person and purpose of the Holy Spirit. And so the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about who is the Holy Spirit. And, and the next couple of weeks, we're talking about what, what is his purpose in our lives. And, and big picture, you could sum it up like this. The purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to produce the life of Jesus in us. And, and so we talk about producing the life of Jesus. There's really two main components. It, it, it's producing the character of Jesus, which is what we're going to talk about today. And then it's empowering the mission and ministry of Jesus in our lives, which is what we're going to talk about next week. And so when we talk about uh, producing the character of Jesus, that there, there's a big word that you might have heard before. Maybe you've never heard it before. It, it's this word, sanctification. And, and that word sanctification can, can be defined as the process of becoming more holy or the process of becoming more like Jesus. And so today we, we want to talk to you about how does the Holy Spirit, um, uh, how is the Holy Spirit a part of this sanctification process in our life? See, sanctification is this mysterious partnership where, where there's the work of the Spirit in partnership with our will and choices, in partnership with the circumstances that we experience, primarily the challenges we experience, in partnership with, with, with God's people around us in the church. And so there's this partnership that takes place, but the biggest role is then the person of the Holy Spirit. And we see in the scripture that the Holy Spirit is, is profoundly involved in this sanctification process. Let me read you this scripture from the screen. Yeah, if you have your Bibles, open, open to 2 Thessalonians. Yeah, that's your moment. It says, but we ought always, this is Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. The Holy Spirit is, is this primary player in our sanctification process. Let me read you another scripture. Verse Peter 1 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect exiles scattered through the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Asia, and Bithynia, 
who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. And so Lydia, unpack a little bit more about this whole sanctification. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So when we talk about sanctification at Life Church, there is um, a group of us who are waiting for us to say the word a specific way. And I'm gonna teach it to you today. Our previous student pastor at Life Church, when he would talk about sanctification to the students, he would teach them this word by saying it in a fun way. And I'm gonna let you in on this, are you ready? We say sanctification. And I'm gonna let you have fun, a little bit of fun with us today. So I'm gonna teach you, okay? So you're gonna say sanctification and you're gonna echo it back, ready? One, two, three. Sanctification. sanctification. See, it's much more fun when we can do that, right? It's much more fun. So there's so much with sanctification. I won't do it the whole time, I promise. <laughs> um, there's so much with this topic and you can go deep and wide with this. There's so many scholars and books and authors that if you want to, you can do that. But for the purpose of today, Pastor Dave and I just wanna introduce you to what a lot of scholars talk about, the three phases of sanctification. And the first one, you can think of it, the first one is God granted us positional holiness or positional sanctification. And this has to do with what it sounds like, your position, your standing with God, that God sees you as holy because of the work of Jesus. And so we have this because of the life of Jesus that he lived. He lived the perfect life. He died taking on the penalty for our sin. He resurrected three days later to give us that life, to give us that gift of eternal life and communion with God and communion with each other. And so when we receive that gift, when we say yes to Jesus, we are, we are now receiving that, that positional sanctification that now God sees us as holy because of the work of Jesus. And another way to think about uh, sanctification is, is this act of separating or setting apart for, the, 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 for holiness. And so when you think of positional sanctification, it might be helpful for you to think of um, God is separating, has separated you because of the work of Jesus, God has separated you from the penalty of sin. What are other thoughts you have on Sometimes positional? it's easy to think about this as these, uh, the, uh, the past tense form of salvation. We have been saved. Sometimes people talk about this as justification. We mm -hmm. have been saved. That's, an, uh, that's something, the moment we, we trust in the gospel, mm -hmm. Christ's work on the cross, his death, his resurrection, we, we have been saved. Yeah. It's a past tense thing. Mm -hmm. Good. So God granted us positional, positional holiness. And then the next phase would be that God guides us in progressive holiness or progressive sanctification. And this is where Pastor Dave and I are going to spend a lot more time here in a minute today. But think about this. This is like your practical uh, and experiential holiness and sanctification. This is where, as Pastor Dave was just talking about, there's like this co-laboring that begins to happen with you and the Holy Spirit because it, it's you um, practicing and experiencing the holiness of the Holy Spirit in your day-to-day -to -day life. And so it's very practical and experiential. And again, thinking about that idea of separating or separation, this would be that God's separating you from the power of sin. So the first is God grants us positional, he separates us from the penalty of sin. In progressive sanctification, he separates us from the power of sin. That as I grow in sanctification, the things that I really struggled with when I first met Jesus, that they don't have the same power and weight as they used to. It's really good. Sometimes it's easy to think about this as the 
present tense of salvation. So I have been saved. That's how God sees me. My eternal standing is, is set. But there's this, this sense of I, I am being saved. And this is what we most commonly talk about as mm -hmm. sanctification. This process of, of where, where the Holy Spirit is changing me, forming me mm -hmm. to be more like Jesus. Perfect. This present tense of salvation. Yeah. So God granted us positional holiness. God guides us in progressive holiness. And the third phase is that God will one day give us complete holiness. You may hear this as glorification or ultimate um, sanctification. And this is with the appearing of Christ. And Paul has some amazing moments in the New Testament of what that's gonna look like. But um, with the appearing of Christ, this is when we will enter into this ultimate complete sanctification. And so going back to that separation this would be the moment where God separates us from the presence of sin. So right now we, we you know, are separated from the penalty of sin and the power of sin, but we still live in a fallen world, in a broken world marred by sin and darkness. But with this complete sanctification, he will one day uh, remove us, separate us from the presence of sin. What your, do you think? Your sinful family. You're no longer uh, with well, your sinful family. Not your family. <laughs> I love your family. I love but, my family. You know, yeah, all of our sinful families. Yes. Yeah. And so that's the future tense of salvation. So I have been saved. That's justification. My standing with God is set and sealed for eternity. I am being saved. The Holy Spirit, this sanctification process. And then one day I will be saved. That's what Lydia said the word glorification. That's when we are with him and we are like him. And so, but we're, today we're going to be camping out on this idea of, of this process of, well, that's most commonly referred to as sanctification or progressive sanctification. The Holy Spirit's work in our life while we're here on earth. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit more, Lydia. Yeah. So what does that actually look like? And so Pastor Dave and I want to break down some things that we think are really important for you to be aware of talking about progressive sanctification and the Holy Spirit's work with that. So your first First point, and I hope you're taking notes because we come to service expectant to hear from the Lord, right? And I don't remember what the Lord told me if I don't write it down. So get ready to take notes. The Holy Spirit causes scripture to come alive to me. And we see this in Jesus. He's, he's talking to his disciples in John 16, verse 13. He says that when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So Jesus is telling his disciples and he's telling us about the Holy Spirit. He's explaining what the Holy Spirit does, who the Holy Spirit is. And he says that he's the one that's gonna guide you into all truth. And, and what we see here is, for, for me, the super encouraging part is that the Holy Spirit is God, right? We're, we've been talking about misconceptions of the Holy Spirit through the series. And so if we're gonna say Holy Spirit is God, we believe that, then that also means that the Holy Spirit is the very one that inspired this text that I'm holding. The Holy Spirit is the very one that preserved this text through so, so many saints doing the work of transcribing and passing this down and giving their lives for us to have this available to us easily in a, hundreds of English translations and on your Bible app. And so the very one that inspired this, that preserved this, that gives this to me today, he is the very one that wants to communicate with, with me in my daily life as I open this, as I study, as I ask questions, as I, as I go into my life group and ask questions about what we read, what we heard. That the Holy Spirit wants to communicate and he wants to bring this text alive to you. One thing for me is, I feel like there's been moments in my life where I've had to write a paper at Bible school or give a devotional and I jump straight to commentaries 
and other authors and um, scholars. And that's amazing. Yes, read, learn. We want to sit under the teaching of other scholars and, and pastors and, and hear that. Yes, absolutely, that's important. I wanna encourage you, maybe sit with the text a little bit longer with just you and the Holy Spirit before you jump too quickly to other things because the Holy Spirit wants to teach you and guide you. Then yes, read John Wimber, read Martin Luther, read Tim Keller. All those people are amazing. The thing about them is they were speaking or are speaking and talking to, writing to a very specific people group in a very specific time, in a very specific context. They're not able to think and speak to your coworker here in Reno, Nevada in 2022. But the Holy Spirit with you, you can, because the Holy Spirit, as you read, as you study, as you get into it, the Holy Spirit is gonna give you things for your sanctification, but also for people around you. He's gonna give you unique ways to declare his truth to other people around you. So we wanna rely on the Holy Spirit to sanctify us through reading and studying and allowing him to bring scripture alive to us. What else, Pastor Dave? The second thing is we, um, he, he takes control of me as I yield to him. So last week, we looked briefly at the, the verse in Ephesians chapter 5, 18, and we talked about it in one sense. I want to unpack it in a little bit of a different sense for you today. Ephesians 5, 18, where Paul, writing the church at Ephesus, says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Don't get drunk. It will cause you to do stupid things. And then he says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what I, I want to just kind of show you this morning is, is the, the way that Greek word, be filled, um, it, it's, this, uh, it's a very unique um, uh, form. It, it's, it's the present passive imperative. Now, the three of you that were English majors at college are into that, and the rest of you are like, I'm not looking to learn grammar today. And, and so, but let me just unpack it, because this really is fascinating. So, so the fact that, that it's present tense, really a, a better translation for, for this verse would, would be to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but it's, some people like to call themselves spirit-filled believers. And they're like, well, I'm a spirit-filled believer, but then they're like, then they're not acting like it. And you're like, well, it doesn't seem like it. Not right now. And, and the nature of it, you know, the, if you're a follower of Jesus, the, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you once and for all well, when you give your life to Christ. That never changes. But, but we walk in various moments where we are more yielded to the Holy Spirit, Spirit's role in our life, sometimes more than others. And so the reason, we talked last week about how, how Paul's very intentionally comparing this to being drunk on, with, with alcohol. And, and we talked about how, how alcohol causes you to, 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 to be maybe more courageous, liquid courage, causes you to see people a little bit differently. And, and, uh, but but the, another principle here is that, now I know none of y'all all have ever been drunk? None of y'all? None of, most of y'all have probably never tasted alcohol. And so this is going to be all new information for you. But if, if you get drunk once, you're not still drunk a week later. You've got to keep getting drunk, stay drunk. That's what they tell me. And the same, and so Paul is intentionally using this present tense verb, be being filled. And, and, so, the, the, and so it's, it's, it's kind of the whole idea of, of a refill. 
And, and the, the idea is that, that, is that we, we we're not always walking in this yieldedness to the Holy Spirit's authority and power in our life. And, and so it's fascinating. It's a present tense, be being filled. And, but it's also a passive form. The idea is, is something's happening to you. And, and so it's, it's present tense, passive. The Holy Spirit's doing this to you. You're being filled by the Holy Spirit. And, and so, but where it gets really tricky, so it's passive, but it's also an imperative. It's also a command. And, and, and so it's a very strange uh, verb tense here. This idea, this is gonna, this is something to be continual. It's something that's gonna happen to you, but it's something that you also have to choose. It, you, it's a command to you. Be being filled by and with the Holy Spirit. And, and so really what that is, it's, it's probably more than this, but if you think of it very simply, you know, what, what are the best, what's the best thing about going to Chick-fil-A? Maybe nothing. But um, it's uh, one good thing about Chick-fil-A is they're, they're not chintzy with the refill. They're happy to give you a refill of that diet lemonade, which is the thing that separates Chick-fil-A from other places for me, the diet lemonade or the upgraded diet uh, frozen lemonade, which is a milkshake with a little bit of diet lemonade in it, which is even better. And, but you feel good, it's like it's diet lemonade milkshake, it's the right, it's the right combo. And so they're not chintzy with the refill. There's no, in fact, they'll tell you, it's my pleasure to give you a refill. My pleasure. Sometimes when I'm at Chick-fil-A, I try to say my pleasure before they can. It's a little thing I do, my pleasure, then they say no, my pleasure, whatever. And so, uh, and here's the thing. God is not chintzy with the refill. And he wants nothing more than for us to regularly say, I say, say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me afresh? I yield control of my life to you afresh. And so the Holy Spirit will control us as we yield to him. Yeah. The next thing is that the Holy Spirit is gonna be the one that helps you, helps me say no to sin. And we see this in Romans 8, um, verse five. This is Paul writing. He says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. And so Paul is making this very stark juxtaposition between death and life, very stark juxtaposition between um, hostility and anger and peace. And so in those moments where it feels easy for me to wanna choose death and hostility and anger, I get to rely on the Holy Spirit within me to say, Holy Spirit, help me choose life in this moment. When I wanna get angry and resentful, I get to say, Holy Spirit, I need your strength to help me experience peace and to be a peacemaker in a situation where I would rather stir up drama, right? <laughs> I think too, in this moment, we, we, um, I think sometimes we kind of get this misconception that um, what we experience with God is like a pardon, you know, and you think about uh, deep down, maybe we wonder if, you know, well, my sins are forgiven, but now I need to do the work of keeping right with God. 
And I think if, if we are thinking that deep down, that affects everything. We have to transform our mind to realize it's the work of the Holy Spirit that's doing that. Because if we're just trying to do good or please God, like, like Paul's talking about, but we're doing it on our own strength, that's just self-righteousness. We're actually, we're actually not pleasing God because we have the completely wrong motives and it's, it just comes down to self-righteousness. But if we're walking in the spirit, living by the spirit, we're co-laboring with the spirit to say no to sin, that, I think that pleases God. And I think that, that is what changes, changes things within us. Pastor Dave talked about um, the camps we've been to and, and I serve with our middle schoolers and, um, and, and I've heard a lot of stories that have been coming out of the high school camp from last week. And I think our students are actually a great picture of this. They're, they haven't quite put on, especially middle schoolers, they haven't quite put on the facade yet or the built the brick walls that I think a lot of us as adults have. And so they are very, um, it's easy to see them wrestling with this. I wanna choose life, or I wanna choose death and hostility. But then I experience the Holy Spirit. And sometimes these kids are experiencing the Holy Spirit for the first time at camp. And I get the privilege of saying, yeah, you're weeping because Jesus wants to tell you something right now. And this, I'm crying, I don't know why I'm crying. It's the Holy Spirit in you. What, t- let's talk about what's happening. And I realize that they've been making these choices at home And now the Holy Spirit is telling them something different and offering them something different and they wanna live into that. And so I I wonder if adults, we can learn something from our students of being transparent of, gosh, I wanna choose this, but I know the Lord wants me to choose this. I know the Holy Spirit wants me to choose this. And then maybe we call a friend and say, I really wanna choose hostility to the person in that checkout line. Um, Help me rely on the Holy Spirit to choose life and to choose peace. And, and so that transparency with, with allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and do the work to co-labor with the Holy Spirit, that it wouldn't be self-righteousness, that we would co-labor with the Holy Spirit to choose life and peace and be peacemakers. That's really good. I think uh, uh, another way that the Holy Spirit helps us to, to um, resist sin and choose life and to choose right is he reminds us who we are and whose we are. Let me read from the screen. Paul says, Romans 8, says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit, look here at verse 16, this key verse. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. A a role of the Holy Spirit in your life is to remind you that you are a child of God. His Spirit, the Spirit of God testifies our spirit that we are God's children. Back to the scripture. Now, if we are children, children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. So I believe that so many of the choices we make, so many of the good choices we make and so many of the bad choices we make, as you, as you really dig deep into the why of these, so often it's rooted in what do we believe about ourselves? What, where, what is our, where is our identity found? Who do we really believe that we are? 
And, and so a, a way that the Holy Spirit produces the character of Jesus in our lives is he reminds us who we are, that, that, that we're children of God, and whose we are, that our life is not our own, but that we belong to God, that we've been bought with a price. We've been adopted as sons and daughters. It's this whole new identity. Part of the Holy Spirit's role in our lives is to remind us of our new identity as adopted sons and daughters. Uh, that's really a big part of, of what baptism's about. Next Sunday, we're, we're having a baptism. If you've made the choice to give your life to Christ, uh, but have not been baptized since you've made that decision, baptism's really your first chance to obey Jesus. Uh, Jesus said, go make disciples and baptize them. Peter was asked, what must we do to be saved? He says, repent, and then leave, let each one of you be baptized. 3,000 people get baptized. But, but here's the thing about baptism. It's very much about our identity. And in fact, throughout uh, numerous church traditions throughout history, it's been very common for people to take a new name upon their baptism. And whether they began to be known by that name full time or if that was a, a separate uh, name that, that they had, but, but it was very common for people to take on a new name at baptism. And so here's the thing, when, when you get baptized, it's it, well, when you say buried with him in the likeness of his death, what that is, is it's a declaration that, that the old me who, who was living for myself and whose identity was marked as being a slave to sin, that the old me has died, buried with him in the likeness of his death. It's saying, I, the old me, is dying. And, and then it says, and raised to walk in newness of life. It's you know, raised to walk in newness of life is this declaration that I've been made brand new. There's a brand new me, a brand new identity. That it, it's a, I belong to someone else. I am someone else. And so when the Holy Spirit said, when the, the verse says, the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, that we have been a Adopted. The Holy Spirit is reminding us who we are and whose we are, and then out of that flows a whole different way of looking at life and a whole different set of choices that are made based on who we are and whose we are. So good. The, yes, that's so good. The final thing that we want you to know today is that the Holy Spirit transforms my character to be like Jesus. And again, we see this in Galatians uh, 5, verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And so when we are co-laboring with the Holy Spirit, when we are in step with the Holy Spirit, our lives should just naturally be producing these things. Our lives should naturally look like patience when we're in that grocery line and I'm thinking, I don't even need training. I can step back there and do this job a million times better than you. Lydia, That's I not wonder a personal if you should story. have it's... your groceries delivered. <laughs> Probably. I, I wonder Probably. if God is no. opening this at this common grace yes. of grocery delivery. I was Instacart. past watching a commercial yesterday <laughs> yeah. and I was like, wasn't even really trying to watch it. I almost wanted to rewind it, but I, 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 I felt like it said that Walmart will deliver your groceries and put them away. 
Is that no, true? No, that can't. Or was crazy. I half asleep? I, I hope not. Pray for me on that. But go ahead. I don't want them in my room. The common my house. grace. You might not have. To, may not want to go to the grocery store. Or I work on patients in the line. Options. Options. I should be producing kindness when I'm in a conversation and a friend starts talking about another friend poorly. I get to rely on the Holy Spirit and say, hey, I'm, we're going to have kindness here and, and we're not going to say that. Maybe you need to go talk to that person. Um, the, the Holy Spirit is going to be producing faithfulness in our lives when we are co-laboring with him. And I, I, think, um, I, I think our culture has really infected our Christian communities with unfaithfulness and it breaks my heart and I think it breaks God's heart. And I don't, don't just mean like in our marriages, I mean the Holy Spirit should be helping us be faithful with our children, with our friends, not giving up on one another with the slightest offense that the Holy Spirit, we get to rely on the Holy Spirit to be faithful across multiple circles of our life. It should be producing self-control, which goes back to saying no to sin. The more that we co-labor with the Holy Spirit, the more that we're growing in that fruit of the spirit of self-control and saying no to sin, right? Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 6, he, he gives us the opposite list. He gives us the products of the flesh. He talks about drunkenness and sexual immorality and greediness. And he says, such were some of you. Such were some of you. Some of us were getting drunk and high every weekend. We were unfaithful to, to spouses. We were cheating on boyfriends. We were, we were greedy businessmen. Such were some of us, but we were justified. We were, we were uh, washed. We were sanctified. We were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our, of our God. So I, I want us to, to really grow in allowing the Holy Spirit to be transforming our character and that our lives would begin producing the fruits of the Spirit like we just talked about. That, that we are washed, we are sanctified, we are justified. And so we get to live different lives with the Holy Spirit. And it's not just for us, it's not just self-righteousness, it's for the sake of our communities and our families and, and our city and our nation, right? Pastor Dave last week, I don't know if you, you missed it, if you weren't taking notes last week, he gave us a, a prayer that I wrote down and I've been praying the last seven days. And I wanted to bring it back up to us in case you missed it last week, because I think it would be really powerful if our congregation prayed this prayer for the next seven days together. And he said, uh, Holy Spirit, I need you today. Fill me, help me, empower me, and control me. So. I wanna encourage you, write that down, pray that this week and allow the Holy Spirit to be transforming you and changing you. And I'm excited to see Repeat that prayer else. again for folks that weren't writing it down. Hol the first time. Yes, Go ahead. yes. Holy Spirit, I need you today. Fill me, help me, empower me and control me. Amen. Let's pray together. And maybe just even as you're seated, uh, maybe just take a posture uh, of, of receiving. You, you could, sometimes it's just, by our, so much of communication is nonverbal, and I think there's, there's power in, in just even our posture sometimes. And for some of you, that might look like just maybe having your, your hand across your chest, or maybe, maybe it might even look like just holding your hands out as if someone's gonna pour something into it, or maybe for you, it looks like raising up a hand with the, the universal sign of, of, of surrender, holding up both hands. And maybe just, can, just confess to the Lord, ask the Lord. 
confessing that there's no way that any of us can live the life of Jesus, that none of us can have that, the character of Jesus in our own strength and in our own power. And maybe just ask the Lord, just say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me afresh? Holy Spirit, I, I yield control of my thoughts and my attitudes and my actions afresh. And Holy Spirit, would you control me and help me and empower me? And Holy Spirit, would you produce the character of Jesus in me? so that when people spend time with me, they leave feeling love and joy, knowing that, they, that they've experienced that in me, that they've seen your love in me and your peace in me and your joy in me and your patience in me and your kindness and your goodness and your gentleness and your self-control that they would that, that that when people are with me that they would experience you your character because of your spirit producing the life of Jesus in me and it's in his name we pray amen Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to catch more of this series and hear more messages like this. You can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com.